You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 319. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I am Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. We have a rare guest. We almost never have guests on our podcast. But we do this time, and it is People's Sexiest Man of the Year in 2017, 2019, hmm. 2020. And most recently in 2022, you know him more as the Eagles genius at EaglesBlitz.com, the great Tommy Lawler. How you doing, buddy? With an intro like that, I'm doing fantastic. I just, I'm sad, I'm sad that I didn't win all those years. I've got to go back and, and look at what, uh, what the judges held against me. All right. Well, we're going to get to Tommy. We're going to ask Tommy 10 questions, 10 for Tommy, we'll call it, but before... We get to all that. I know that I need, and Tommy needs to know too, where he can find the finest meat snacks in the land. Well, Jimmy, uh, you didn't introduce me, but I'm Brandon Lee Gowton. Yes, I did. I said did right you up. Did, yeah, you were. I got you first. Oh, uh, I didn't even listen. Bad job by me. Terrible job by me. <laughs> uh, botched it. But uh, I will say that uh, maybe it's just because I'm so awestruck and honored to be in the presence of the original hosts of the Helmet to Helmet show. Um, <laughs> a very deep cut, I feel like, for people who were listening to Eagles podcast. Probably one of my favorite podcasts ever. Also, at the same time, the worst uh, audio production ever because there oh, is yeah, no terrible. There's no editing. There's like no production? microphones. Uh, but the, the content was exist. Well, the content was so good that it didn't matter uh, about the production. Um, but uh, honored to be here with you guys. And of course, BGN Radio brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Just going to code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Um, but uh, Tommy, thank you for being here. And I guess, Jimmy, I guess you should lead us off with a question with your old co-host. All right. Yeah. So Tommy goes to – I mean, Tommy and I go to the Senior Bowl most years. Tommy goes every year no matter what. Uh, I skip out when the Eagles make the playoffs. Uh, when, when, was this, when was the first year that you went? Do you remember? Oh, the first year we went was 2012. Okay. Um, so who are the guys – you went this year, of course, whereas uh, you were all by your lonesome. There were no other Eagles <laughs> beat writers. I don't think there at all. No. Uh, obviously because of their Super Bowl run. But who are some of the guys that you think stood out there who could be fits for the Eagles on day two or day three? Well, the, the first guy that jumps out was Atatamawa uh, Adeboare, and he could be a day one guy, if not a day two mm-hmm. guy. A defensive tackle for Northwestern, uh, just came in there and, and just lit it up, played his, his butt off, and we know the Eagles need de- defensive linemen. And uh, so that that's a guy that really, you know, right there, absolutely could, uh, could, could make a lot of sense. Uh, cornerback Julius Brents. Big kid from mm-hmm. Kansas State. We know the Eagles like um, corners with a little bit of size if they can. And uh, in watching him, the guy that he made, reminded me a lot of is James Bradbury. A big mm-hmm. guy, good ball skills, except the difference is Julius Brents will actually hit and tackle. So if you got James Bradbury with hitting and tackling ability, that's kind of a nice thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. There was quite a few guys that are, that are of interest that are going to be all over the place. There, there's a slew of running backs, Roshan Johnson from Texas, uh, was the backup to Bijan. Everybody, everybody hears Texas running back. You think Bijan, his backup is going to be a second or third round pick. 
and uh, and Roshan Johnson at, at, down at in Mobile was fantastic. He was a big physical guy, good athlete, downhill runner. Um, if the Eagles decide to go for running back sort of early, he's a guy that they definitely should have some interest in. So all kinds of guys. And then the offensive line, geez, basically every, every offensive lineman, I think Jeff Stallman would have interest in. You know, Cody Mock for North Dakota State mm-hmm. is a guy that played literally all five positions in Mobile. And we know the Eagles love versatile offensive linemen. So that's a guy that we know they've, they've shown some interest in. He's not great in any one area, but the versatility, good athlete, and he's got the weird, quirky personality. I think Jason Kelsey would want to adopt him uh, probably as much as anything. So he'd be a natural fit with, with the Eagles. Well, you mentioned uh, one running back there, uh, Tommy. Um, who are some? And and we, I'm, I'm guessing you don't think the Eagles are going to take B. John Robinson. Um, uh, who are some of the non-B. John running backs that you like for Philly the most? So the guy that I, I probably like the most is, uh, is Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. And, and I, for some reason, I'm stuck in the idea of wanting a bigger back. You know, I just mm. – I, 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 watching Jordan Howard in 2021 – when he was running in Nick Sirianni's offense and went attack downhill, it literally felt like the entire team got fired up. Mm-hmm. And there's just a value in something like that. When he, cause you hear Nick Sirianni talk about bringing juice, they brought juice to things. When Jordan Howard was running over people, there was an electricity on the field at times. He brought some juice and Charbonnet. He's not the same kind of runner completely, but he's big. Uh, he's a skilled guy, can catch the ball. Uh, played for the great Chip Kelly, who we know is a genius coach and probably the best coach in Eagles history. So, you, you know, you got to give him that advantage. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talk about Jameer Gibbs, the uh, the kid from Alabama, who would, the Eagles would have to take at pick 30. Is that a little early or is, is that good value? It's hard to say. The question you have with a guy like Jameer Gibbs is his real value is as a receiver. And in the last couple of years, uh, you know, that we've seen Sirianni, he's not thrown the ball to the running backs a lot. Yeah. Now it's a chicken or the egg thing. Did he not have great receivers, or does he not think that throwing the ball to the running backs is that important if you have the kind of receivers and tight end that he does? So I don't know if Jameer Gibbs, if you take away his ability to catch the ball, he's not a first-round player. But if you want a running back who catches the ball, go get him at pick 30, and you've got a playmaker. All right, we may as well stay on with the running backs here. Um, I'm just curious how you think – and again, they're not going to take him. <laughs> so I don't know why we were spending a lot of time on him. But uh, I'm just curious how you think Bijan compares to like Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott, for example, when they came out. Saquon was just so dynamic because of his speed and ability to just do insane things. His footwork and, you know, he was 230 whatever pounds. And you would watch him bounce off guys, catch passes out, out wide, do insane things. He was just a special, special guy. Zeke was a guy that was, you know, somewhere in the 5 to 15 range. I think he went 8th overall or 10th overall, something like that. That's about where he should have gone. He was a really good running back, a workhorse running back, and that's what Dallas has used him as, good pass blocker and effective receiver. That, it, so he's a, a, a tear down, in my mind, from Saquon. Bijan, I would probably say, is is closer to to, uh, to Zeke than he is to Saquon, just because, again, mm-hmm. Saquon was 230 pounds. He, he I watch a lot of Penn State games. You saw him do freaky things. You saw him bounce off guys, gather his balance, and then take off for 40 yards. And you just, that's not common. And we've seen that in the NFL. You've seen some 60 and 70 yard runs. With with Zeke Elliott, you see a lot of 15, 20 yard runs. With Saquon, 
he's always a chance, a, a, a guy that's a couple of moments away from breaking off a huge play and doing some crazy stuff that you haven't seen. So he's a little bit different. Bijan is an outstanding player. There's no question. He's a terrific running back. And part of what makes him valuable is he, he can catch passes. Um, I saw somebody the other day talking about, he's not a guy you throw the ball down the field to, but he averaged like what 15 or 16 yards a catch last year. Uh, he can absolutely catch the ball down the field. He's got enough size. He's 215 pounds. So he's got enough size and strength that he's tough to tackle. And he's kind of the, the most creative of the trio because he'll get into traffic and you'll think the play is basically dead. And then all of a sudden he just comes flying out of there and you're like, where was the hole? And he just, he kind of made it up and he was patient. So many running backs love to tackle themselves. They run, they lower their shoulder, they get into contact, they just start driving. It's like, pull your head up. And if that everybody's right in front of you, take a couple steps to the left and there's nobody there. Well, that's what he does. And that's kind of his magic because he makes something out of nothing at times. So really good player. And it would be so much fun to watch him in the Eagles offense. But yeah, we, I think we all know that. I think we, we'd all be just shocked if we heard the name Bijan Robinson yeah. had picked him. <laughs> you couldn't be mad at it because he's, he's worth the pick in terms of his talent. It that would be fun to watch. Yeah. For oh, sure. you sit there and you think, You'd write one article saying this is not a good use of resource, and the other article would be, holy <laughs> crap, I can't wait to see this, right? right. So it'd be awesome. So it'd be a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, you just, you know, the NFL these days, spin a pick 10 on a running back just seems kind of wild. Yeah, so I know for a lot of people, especially the WIP listeners, they would think like a Bijan pick, at least a lot of them, uh, would be kind of an A-plus draft for the Eagles. But what does an A-plus first round, realistically, I'll say here, uh, look like for the Eagles on Thursday night, for you at least, Tommy? I'm of the belief that the the one thing that they absolutely have to come out of this draft with is a defensive lineman, a, an impact mm-hmm. defensive lineman. And... um Listen, we all watched the Super Bowl, and uh, unfortunately, and uh, they just could not stop Kansas City's run game. Gave up 158 yards. You know, Patrick Mahomes didn't throw for 200 yards, but they could not stop the run. And I think, you know, we're going to plug Jordan Davis in at nose tackle moving into next year. You're going to still have Fletcher Cox at one defensive line, and it leaves another spot. Milton Williams is there, but Milton Williams is not an ideal run stuffer. So I'd love to get an impact defensive. That could be. Uh, Jalen Carter at pick 10 or, or they trade up a little bit for him. Uh, mm-hmm. If they decide to go for an offensive lineman or edge rusher or corner up there, then at pick 30, you know, you'd have some different guys available. I, it's hard to say where they value them, but you'd obviously have uh, Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle from Michigan. Uh, there's been some talk. Keanu Benton from Wisconsin could be late for trial mm-hmm. material. Um, they, 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 all, they don't have to get it in the first round. They could go into the second, but, when I look at the draft, I say the Eagles have to come away with a defensive lineman, and not just a, a 260, 270-pound guy that can rush. They need to come away with one guy who can help them play the run more effectively. And so that's that's the big thing. And the thought of getting Jalen Carter at pick 10, obviously, is that's primo. And then if not, trying to get somebody there at, at pick 30, if possible. There are other guys to go. We know they've looked at Gervon Dexter from Florida, Jacqueline Roy from LSU. These guys will be second, third, fourth-round picks. Uh, Roderick Martin, Western Kentucky. They've looked at a lot of defensive linemen that could help them play the run. But if you could get one of the better ones in the uh, in the draft, obviously you'd rather do that. I thought you were going to say offensive line when you, when you were saying the one thing they have to come away with for depth purposes. Um, but certainly defensive line makes sense, obviously, as well. 
you had Peter Skaronsky as your pick at 10 uh, in one of your mocks. I did. So I have a two-part question here. One, did anyone light uh, a flaming bag of poop on your doorstep because uh, they were angry at you for that pick? <laughs> and, and two, um, you're, you're a rare Eagles writer to, to support the idea of that pick. So I'm just curious to hear you state your case. So there were some death threats. Uh, in fact, the FBI is out in front of my place right now. Uh, trying to, That's good. I'm glad you're safe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. One of the agents is out there measuring his arms, so I think I might be in trouble. Actually, uh, listen. Oh, Peter Skronsky's Peter Skronsky is there with no, you. No, no, no. The FBI agent's measuring his own arms. So, uh, oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, okay. No, so, yeah, I think he's starting to think. You know, maybe maybe you do need longer arms. Um, so Skronsky, it, it's it's funny. There's such vitriol with him, and, and it's just crazy. The guy <laughs> was a. a awesome player for two straight years a left tackle yeah it was a crappy team of course it was a crappy team but he was a just stud left tackle who shut down plenty of guys he's got fantastic feet he's a skilled blocker we watch some of these guys like you watch uh, Roderick Jones from Georgia who's got what 15 17 starts at left tackle in his career Mm -hmm. and you can see all the tools but he's so raw you watch Skaronsky and he is such a polished product you know, good feet, smart, uses his hands well, knows what he's doing, understands different things, can run block plays with leverage. He really is a gifted player. The only thing is you just wish he was either 6'6 or had 34-inch arms. That's it. If he's one of those two things, there'd be no question that'd be your target yeah. at 10. Uh, but he doesn't have those things. So some people see that as somehow well, he's got to play guard. I disagree. I think he can play tackle in the NFL. He doesn't have ideal size. Guess what? King Dunlap had ideal size. He's a mediocre player, right? <laughs> you give me a talented How player. How dare you? Ah, right. I apologize to the King Dunlap fans. They're going to be after me now. Um, give me a talented player who maybe is an ideal in one way or two, another, and that's fine. He Again, if, if the guy's tape was inconsistent, I'd say, all right, you know, we got issues. His tape is outstanding, and uh, – just, he just feels like a guy that you could plug in and he'd be ready to play right away. So, you know, that's a player. If they take him at 10, I'll be fine with it. I know a lot of people want I, the, the, the other thing is he could play guard in 2023 and 2024 and then take over at right tackle when Lane Johnson re- retires after that, or assuming he does, who knows what he's going to happen. Uh, but he, he could play guard for a couple of years and then move to tackle. He's got the versatility to play all over. He played left tackle at Northwestern with his skill and the way he does things. I think he could literally start at all five positions. So uh, I'm never going to be mad if they go get a good bodyguard for Jalen Hurts. You got a $255 million man. Let's keep him upright and healthy, right? Use the word vitriol, Tommy, to describe, I guess, how some people feel about maybe Skaronsky being the pick at 10. Another player who I think would uh, inspire a lot of anger if the Eagles took him and it seems to be some credible buzz about this being a possibility with Lucas Van Ness. Uh, you have Adam Kaplan, I think, saying that like he won't go beyond 10. Uh, that's his floor. Uh, the, you also have Charlie Campbell saying that if the Eagles can't get Jalen Carter, they like Lucas Van Ness a lot there at number 10. So I guess I feel like from what I've read of you, Tommy, you're, you're not you don't totally hate that idea. Um, can you can you sell us on Lucas Van Ness at number 10? So I like the player. I don't love the value. If, if they traded back to 12, 14, 15 and got something mm-hmm. else and then take him, I'm fine with it. Just flat yeah. out taking him at 10, I'm not a huge fan of. 
Um, the, the big thing that, that gets everybody is the fact he's a, he's a redshirt sophomore, played two years at Iowa, never started a game. So you sit there and say, how can you take the, the spend the 10th pick in the, in the NFL draft that a guy who never started? Well, it's, it's kind of a hinky thing. Iowa believes in playing upperclassmen. So the upperclassmen always started as a reward. That's the way they do things. But he played more snaps than anybody else on the defensive line. So he was on the, he just wasn't there when the, the ver- first snap of the game went off, but he was, he essentially played starters minutes or starter snaps. He was our most productive player. He had, he had more sacks. You know, I had somebody the other day telling me, why, how, how can you take this guy who's such a project when we go, let's go get Nolan Smith, who's more productive. I'm like, no, it's actually quite the opposite. Lucas Van Ness had seven sacks each of the last two years. You know, uh, Nolan Smith for his career had what, 12 and he played all four years. Uh, so, Van Ness was productive. He was a guy that was disruptive. He's uh, a versatile player, so he can line up as a three-tech. He can line up as a defensive end. I think he could play four-eye for the Eagles. Not ideally, he'd have to add a few pounds for that role. But he's six foot five. He's 272 pounds. I- I've written this a couple of times. If you go look at his agility uh, times, his three-cone and short shuttle, they are almost exact with Hassan Reddick. He's actually better in one and just a shade mm, worse than the okay. other. Hassan Reddick was 237 pounds at the combine. So think about a guy with Hassan Reddick's agility and 35 additional pounds of, of bulk. And you go, wow, okay, that's, that's kind of unique, right? Because we all watched Hassan Reddick do some crazy things coming off the edge. Well, what, what if that was in a bigger body? And he's a raw player. He grew up playing, uh, I can't remember, was hockey, I think. So he, he, he's just a physical guy that's used to running people over. He's got to learn pass rush moves. He's, he used to be coached and developed. But we heard Howie the other day talk about that's our job as, as coaches is let's go bring in a talented player and then let's develop. We're not going to bring in finished products all the time. That's, that's, that They just don't exist in college football. That's why Skaronsky is such an interesting prospect because he does feel like more of a finished product. Lucas Van Ness, two years of playing, two years in college football, and you know he, he's going to be raw, but the tools, as Howie said repeatedly, tools in their body. My man has a full tool set to, to work with because he's big, he's fast, strong, he's got huge, like, 11-inch hands. You like that in a defensive lineman. That way he can get his hands on a, on a blocker and control him, move him around. Uh, you watch some of his best plays in college were just power rushes. He ran Skaronsky over a one play that we've probably all seen from 2021. Just absolutely ran into him and knocked the living crap out of Skaronsky and it went and hit the quarterback. Uh, he is a big, strong, physical dude. You just have to teach him, you have to, you know, find a, a kind of uh, refine his, his pass rush. Well, they had to do the same thing with Josh Sweat. Look what he's become. And Josh Sweat didn't have nearly the set of ability that Van Ness has coming out. So, um, yeah, I get where some people aren't going to like the pick and don't like the idea, but trust me, this is not uh, some horrible idea. And this is not, you know, people love to say Mike Mamula. First of all, Mike Mamula wasn't Mike Mamula. People don't realize he was a great college football player. He was like the Big East Defensive Player of the Year, had like 15 sacks his senior year, uh, or I guess junior year. I don't. I guess he came out early. And then he went and had a great combine. And people, I say, is a workout warrior. He was a terrific college player. And he became an effective NFL player who actually had some good moments. He just didn't become Warren Sapp, who, as we know, the Eagles traded up, took Mamula, Tampa Bay, took Warren Sapp. They obviously got the better end of that deal. But, uh, yeah, so Van Ness, is, he, he would be a perfectly fine choice. Like I say, I just don't want to devalue a 10 if we could move back. 
at a mid-round pick, I'd, I'd be more comfortable with that. You mentioned the uh, 11-inch hands. Um, this isn't one of my questions, but who is, do you remember who I, who I asked at the senior bowl? He was a defensive lineman from Stanford, a pass rusher. He went to Washington. Washington, I I know Washington drafted him. Uh, I I can't remember his name. I cannot either. I just know you kind of creeped the heck out of him. Uh, cause you're like, can I, can I measure your hands? (laughs) Yeah. Well, quick story, uh, where it was during the, uh, like the senior bowl dinner or was it lunch or dinner? dinner. Up on the battleship. Yeah, so like the basically to set the scene, all these players are sitting there eating dinner, and you can go up and interview them. And it's a weird kind of thing where like you're, it's a media availability session, but also at the same time these guys are eating, and so are media people are eating. And I, you know, so it's weird to go up and ask and start asking them questions or whatever. But anyway, whatever whatever player this was, and I am mad at myself for not being able to recall his name. <laughs> he he had these. He had like his hands measured in at some absurd number. <laughs> so Tommy's like talking me into going up and asking if I could measure his hand. So <laughs> never one to shy away from a challenge. <laughs> I go up and I'm like, uh, excuse me, sir. Did you mind if I measured your hand real quick? <laughs> and he's like, uh, uh, all right. Oh, no, no, no. Not measure his hand. Take a picture of his hand. I, like, can I take a picture of your hand? <laughs> it's a very weird thing to ask another human being. Can I take a picture of your hand? It's a very odd thing to ask somebody. That was the creepiest uh, pickup line I've ever heard you use. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he let me take a picture of it. And it did like, so I did. And it didn't even work for the story because I had like no. I had like no other object in the picture that no you can compare person. his hand to. It was just a picture of a hand and you would have no idea how big it actually was. Uh, but a yeah, of your so hand and said that was his. Tommy's a troublemaker at the senior. Bowl. Oh man. Listen, we've had some adventures down there for sure. No doubt. I think his name was, was all right. Next question. Trent something, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Trent Murphy, Trent, Trent Murphy. Good Murphy. job. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Trent Murphy. Yeah, I, I guarantee he well went done. back to the room and took a shower to clean the ick off him after that little sequence. <laughs> that was like, um, in the one year, uh, also hand related story. I guess like, um, you know, when they do the measurements, you know, arm length, height, weight, of course, um, wingspan. They do hands. If they can't get a great measurement on a hand for whatever reason, like the guy has a broken pinky or some kind of whatever it's like they got disfigured in some way playing football it actually says like the the the, the senior bowl actually had in parentheses like deformity wow. <laughs> so there were like seven or eight guys that um you know had deformity next to their name i got pictures of all their hands <laughs> <laughs> one year and a couple guys so i asked a couple guys were just like no dude that's weird you're gonna take a picture of my hand uh one of them was Jeff Driscoll, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. For, uh, I forget who he played for in the league, but he played for Louisiana Tech. And then uh, not Zach Martin, but Zach Martin's brother. Nick Martin? Nick Martin was like, no, dude, that's weird. And it was basically like, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> not the last time you've heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a real quick break, and then uh, we'll come back and we'll finish off our 10 with Tommy. Back after this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Back here on BGN Radio, uh, Jimmy, I feel like you're next up with a, an actual question for Tommy. Yeah. All right. So uh, you've actually had a couple pretty good polls in recent years on day three, guys. So I don't know if you even remember this, Tommy, but you had uh, you had Zach McPherson in your final Eagles only mock in 2021. You had Avante Maddox. And these guys, you know, we know them, we know them well now, but they weren't like really, they were kind of like lesser known day three guys, like before those drafts. Um, so you've hit on some defensive backs. I know you love your, I know you love you some safeties. Um, I do. You and each, each of your three mocks this year, you've had the Eagles picking one, um, you know, on day two, uh, in each of your three mocks. So I guess, first of all, is that where you sort of, you see the sweet spot for safety in this draft? And then who are some of like the, the defensive back prospects that you, that you like in that area? So, yeah, uh, the Eagles, there's usually a safety earlier than that, that I, that I fall in love with, but the Eagles, they just don't seem to want to spend high resources on a safety. Um, so I always just kind of say, well, if that's what they're going to look for, let me look for those guys. And we know there's good safeties to be had all over the draft, right? Um, the guy that I really like this year is, is Daniel Scott from, from, oh, from Cal. that's so funny. And he, <laughs> I have, I have something on him when you're done. Okay. So he's <laughs> okay. the only downside to the guy. He's 24 and a half years old already. So you're going to have to deal with the age mm. factor, but you know, he ran four, four, five, 39 inch vertical. You watch him. He'll hit, he'll tackle. He has good range. He picks the ball off. He has, he, he's got good hands. To me, he's everything Sean Desai would want in the back end of his defense. Um, I, I project him in the third round, eight, gr- third round grade. You might downgrade that a little bit because of the age and say, okay, let's make him a fourth rounder. I see, mm-hmm. I see mock drafts where he goes in like the sixth and seventh round, and I don't get it. I don't understand. I feel like, what do they know that I don't know, right? And so it's it's kind of crazy. Um, there's there's always going to be safeties. Uh, the kid from Penn State, Jair Brown, would be a mid round guy. Who a real interesting player that has the the uh, they played him back in the defense in 2021 and I think he had four or five interceptions shows good hands good playmaking ability um, 2022 they put him closer to line of scrimmage and all of a sudden he became a good blitzer and not just a, a not just a fly off the edge guy but he actually put moves on offensive linemen trying to block him and you go wow mm-hmm. okay that's a skilled player. Uh, he's a real interesting guy. Part of his guy, I'm kind of curious to see what Desai wants his safeties to do, but uh, Scott's the guy that really uh, I'm, I'm high on. So what, what's your story with Scott? So uh, Jeff McLean had at one point, uh, I guess, sort of detailed all the players the Eagles had drafted from that, that, that were represented by athletes first, who represented Carson Wentz. Um, and like he came, he came to the conclusion that like the mathematical possibility of them just randomly selecting these players from this agency, it was like one in a million or something crazy like that. Right. Um, so just because Carson Wentz is gone, they haven't stopped drafting these guys from that agency. So last year, for example, and it's not like this agency has like a ton of clients each year in the draft. Like they're usually around like, you know, 10 to 15 clients in each draft. And last year, some of their clients were Cam Jurgens, Grant Calcaterra, and Britton Covey. So <laughs> I went and I found uh, their the client list that they have for this draft, 
And uh, sure enough, Daniel Scott is one of them. So uh, all the more reason that they could potentially take that guy. Actually, if you, you want to hear the list of their guys? Yeah, I have it right yeah here. absolutely. I was pulling it up while you were talking. So it's uh, Dalton Kincaid, tight end Utah. Cody Mock, uh, of course, that you heard like talking Cody about before Mock, yeah. from, from North Dakota State. Matthew Bergeron, oh. I think you like yep. him. Offensive tackle from Syracuse. Jack Campbell, linebacker, Iowa. Luke Musgrave, tight end, Oregon State. Blake Freeland, offensive tackle, BYU. Ryan Hayes, I think you like him too. Uh, offensive tackle from Michigan. Uh, Jaron Hall, quarterback, BYU. Jo- Junior Fahoku, Fahoko, defensive end, uh, San Jose State. Kendall Williamson, safety from Stanford, and Spencer. I'm going to mess up his last name. Spencer Weege, Wage, whatever. For uh, North Dakota Wege. State. Yeah, defensive end. Six foot four, two hundred ninety six pounds. Mm. <laughs> That's impressive that you know that. The Eagles had uh, had their scout Ryan Myers at his pro day do it, working him out. So uh, okay, that's a player I bet they're interested in, and then he's played defensive end and defensive tackle. Disruptive pass rusher, um, good good late round player. So that's that's kind of cool. All right, my second to last question for you, Tommy. Uh, Jimmy and I have talked about what the Eagles, their approach may be at wide receiver. I think some people are thinking about this wrong. In that, like uh, the line that I like to say is, it's not Madden. Like you have to account for player personalities here. And I just think something like the Eagles taking Jackson Smith and Jigba, which is something that. Tony Pauline is apparently put out there like they're doing, you know, homework on him late. And I, I think, Tommy, you wrote about how, you know, you kind of maybe sense that could be kind of more of a smokescreen or coming from uh, JSN's camp. And I would agree with that um, because I don't think the Eagles are really looking to add another volume target to the offense. But I guess then uh, they still could afford help at wide receiver. And I guess who would fit in the mold of a guy who might be lower volume but still can make an impact? Well, that's that, that that's really tricky. The second part, because there's plenty of mid round guys who would would be of interest. Um, you know, Jonathan Mingo. If they wanted to go late second round, Jonathan Mingo to mm-hmm. me would be a guy that would be. He's AJ Brown Jr. Right, same school, Ole Miss, big guy, six foot one, two hundred twenty five pounds, same kind of build, great run after the catch ability. It really does feel like you're watching just a slightly lesser version of AJ Brown. So if now he's he's not a guy that had to catch a hundred passes, but he was the workhorse for the the passing game. So he would be of interest. Um, Tyler Scott from from uh, Cincinnati is a playmaking slot type guy. Uh, Marvin Mims from from Oklahoma could be a mm-hmm. third fourth runner. Is a speedy guy. He ran four three eight, but when I watched his tape, he made a lot of contested catches. So I sat there and said, well, that, the fact he can make contested catches is good. The fact he runs four three eight and their contested catches is not good. Yeah. Right. When Deshaun Jackson ran four three whatever at Cal, the only contest <laughs> was how many people were going to be within ten yards of him when he was in the end zone. Uh, yeah. So I, I was a little curious about that. A guy that I've written about a couple of times is Antoine Green from North Carolina, six foot mm-hmm. six foot two hundred ninety nine pounds, uh, ran a four four seven, averaged nineteen point seven yards per catch, and he's a guy that caught like thirty to forty passes. So he was the playmaker at North Carolina and not a workhorse. So to mm-hmm. me, that's a guy that would be ideal. And then another guy that's kind of flying under the radar here is a guy named Michael Wilson from Stanford. He had a lot of injury issues. And I know Stanford wide receiver, again, I, there's a reason people hate me probably, right? Um, but Michael Wilson, he's a, he's a proven special teams player. So he's a good special teamer. And he's a guy that obviously 
Stanford have any volume receivers these days. They've, they've been so erratic offensively. If you spend a fourth or fifth round pick on somebody that you know will come in and play special teams, he's done it, has good size, solid athlete, and doesn't have to catch the ball a ton, he would make a lot of sense. You just have to get comfortable with the injury issues and what have you. So it, it is tricky trying to project. We want somebody to come in here knowing they're not going to have a ton of catches because you got two guys that need 100 catches a year, yeah. you know, in AJ and Devontae. We still, you, you don't want to go on into the season with Quez and uh, Olamide as your as your next two guys without somebody else to at least push them. And of course, the other guy that's still in there that I, I still fascinated as heck by is Devin Allen. You know, mm-hmm. he had a terrific showing last year in the preseason and showed the ability to play special teams. He obviously has elite speed, and I thought he looked like he you know showed enough as a receiver. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see what if he can make a, raw, a push for a roster spot this year. So they've got some potential there, but I, I do hope they add a player to the to the mix because uh, as as great as it is to see Devontae and and AJ making all those plays, there's a part of you every time one of those guys is slow to get up that goes, oh crap, what you know is is this yeah you know what's going to happen. Luckily, they have two, so if they lose one, they've still got another one to rely on. It's not like some of the other Eagles teams we've seen where they they barely had one. If they lost him, <laughs> it was all of a sudden the wishbone offense, you know. So at least there is something to work with there. But uh, yeah, I definitely think they need to add another receiver to the mix for sure. My last question probably is a better question to finish it off with, but I'll just go ahead and stay in the well, order. I can here. go if you want. Yeah, all right, go ahead. You you ask another one then. I'll double down. Uh, kind of just the opposite. What if I asked earlier, Tommy, in terms of like what an A plus first round for the Eagles would realistically look like, and you'd mentioned Jalen Carter. Um, what does an F minus first round for the Eagles look like realistically on Thursday night? What should have people, I guess, not feeling great or uh, rooting to avoid? That's tough for me because I watch all these players so much. And it, literally, I, I, you know, there's no player that I just absolutely detest the thought of. Um, mm-hmm. If they go for one of the corners, I, I guess. So I, I'm not a huge Joey Porter fan. If they took Joey Porter at 10, I would not be happy with that. That would be a bad pick in my mind. Not that he's not a good player, but as Jimmy has written and I've written about, he had one interception in his career. Yeah. And mm. and trust me, I watched every game he ever played. I watched probably almost every snap he ever played. He just does not have good hands. And uh, he had a lot of balls that he got his hands on, and he just could not catch it. And turnovers are so valuable in the NFL. When you start talking about pick 10, give me a guy that can catch the ball when it comes his way. Uh, we saw that with James Bradbury last year, just making some of the catches he did. Those were crucial. You tell you in drives, you get your offense, the football. Um, so Joey Porter is a guy that I would, you know, again, talented player. And if they, if they got a bit pick, you know, I don't know, 40, I'd say fine, but a pick 10, I want a guy that can catch the football. Um, I love Devin Witherspoon. I love Christian Gonzalez. Uh, I like all the offensive linemen. I'm not a huge fan of the thought of Paris Johnson at 10. Now there was mm-hmm. some ridiculous thing yesterday about would the three, would, yeah, would the Cardinals take him at three? <laughs> I will personally drive him to Arizona if they will take him at three. Uh, that's insane. I don't, I don't know what that's all about. Uh, he's a good player because he's proven he started at guard and tackle, has 36 inch arms. But I just watch him and I just go, you know, he's a, he's a he's a good player, but he's not so much better than Skaronsky that I absolutely love the the arm length and whatever. So. Um, but yeah, if they go for any of the defensive linemen, any of the edge rushers, uh, you know, love Nolan Smith, uh, Van Ness, mm. obviously I've talked, talked about, um, yeah. 
they're the guys at 30. There's plenty of targets at 30. I'm fascinated by So, and even if they take Bijan Robinson, I'm not going to hate that. So I say, I guess if, uh, and I feel like a jerk for saying this, if they avoid Joey Porter, I'm pretty much good with what they do in the first round. Yeah. Paris Johnson to me, is kind of like the Lucas Van Ness of the offensive line mm. for what you said before, what Howie said, where, you know, if, if they have the traits and in his case, he's got great size and he's got athleticism, if they have the traits, then we'll develop. Right. Them. Um, and like Van Ness, you don't need him to necessarily play a ton of snaps early because you have three guys in Brandon Graham, in um, uh, Reddick. Son Reddick, and Josh Sweat who combined for 38 sacks last year. And of course, the Eagles' offensive line, not, you know, you're not going to play uh, immediately if you're Paris Johnson. Uh, but <laughs> they'd be very boring, unsatisfying picks, <laughs> at least if uh, if you're if you're one that wants to see some immediate results out of guys. But yeah, I think on the uh, Cardinals point. It was like the I think the idea was that Kyler Murray likes him, right? Which who cares what Kyler Murray likes? Kyler Murray is barely like, is he border? He's like borderline top half of the NFL quarterback. Who cares what he wants? It's crazy that they, that they would that they would bother worrying about what what that guy wants. You know, from them in the draft, they picked number three, no less. They do need to get some blockers for that dude because it yeah, <laughs> he needs he needs an offensive line to play behind it. Yeah. They've they've struggled to put together a good offensive line in Arizona for ever, maybe uh, yeah. it feels like. And so, you know, if Gannon learned one thing in Philadelphia, it, it, it should have been build that offensive line. So, but Johnson at three just seems insane to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I imagine they're probably trying to get out of that pick and then uh, maybe take him. Somebody this morning wrote that they were borderline desperate to move back. So, you know, hey, listen, if you're the sense. Eagles. If if they'll make you some sensational deal, move up and get who you want. It will Anderson at that point if you can get up to yeah. three. Um, I was just going to move up early and get Skaronsky. That way you can lock him in and make sure the Bears don't steal him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, final question. Who you got? Who you got at 10? I, I, I think it's going to be Jalen Carter. I really do. Wow. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people. At are, what's that? I think he slides to 10. I, okay. There's just so much risk with him, you know, because of the off the field stuff, the bad pro day. And I just feel like the other teams ahead of the Eagles, they're trying to build into winning franchises. You know, some of them are trying to build into competent franchises. And do they have the leadership? The Eagles have Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. Those guys will keep, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Carter straight. A lot of people point out to Nicobe Dean and, and, and Jordan. If those are young guys, like they're, they're trying to figure out how to do stuff themselves, right? Neither one's even started. You need mm-hmm. veterans and people talk about Seattle. Take it. Seattle has a ch- chance to land a franchise quarterback unless they think Geno Smith is the guy for the next five years. Right. You know, to me, the, they ought to be looking quarterback or, you know, it, it, potentially if Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson falls, they could get a, a an impact rusher. Um, Detroit, Detroit has a lot of goodwill going. I just don't know. They want to bring in a guy like Carter that they've got young players around him. Do they want him influencing those guys? Uh, Chicago, hey, Chicago needs a lot, right? They, but I, in my mind, they need to to get blockers for Justin Fields. So I just, in Atlanta, I guess Atlanta is a possibility, but I just don't see Atlanta taking who, Again, who are the veteran leaders that are going to deal with this guy? So, as I yeah. look at, into it, I just see that there's going to be a lot of talk about him going five, six, seven, eight, nine. But I just think people are going to on on draft night going to go, yeah, we don't we don't want to waste this pick. We have a chance to get a, a, a quarterback. We have a chance to get 
Bijan Robinson. We have a chance to get, you know, Tyree Wilson, whoever they want. And they're going to spend those picks on those players. And the Eagles, with a loaded roster, have the flexibility to to take that guy. Maybe they trade up a little bit for him. But I just, I know Shield Capadia had him um, trading all kinds of stuff to get up to like six for him or something. And I just, to me, I, I get nervous about investing a lot of resources in a player with the kind of questions he's got. That's, you start adding second round picks to move up for him. I love the player, but boy, that's a, that's, that's a lot of eggs in one basket and a basket that's kind of a crazy basket. So I'm, I'm not sure about that, but hey, listen, Howie loves to trade up. So if he think, thinks he's good enough and big Dom gives him a passing grade and says, you know, yeah. character's okay, then maybe Howie goes after him aggressively. But uh, again, I'm just, maybe I'm delusional, but I'm in the belief that he'll actually make it to 10. There was a report out. I forget who put this out, but about the Steelers maybe feeling like they have the kind of leadership, uh, you know, stability at the, at, in the, within their coaching staff where they can handle a guy like him. And they would try to trade up with the bears uh, ahead of the Eagles to steal him from, you know, out from, out from the Eagles, uh, you know, at 10. And I, I remember the way that read sort of something in my mind just went like, Oh, that's the Bears saying you better trade up. Eagles right. <laughs> to make right. sure you get your guy because right. we don't want this guy. So if you take him at if you take him at seven or eight or whatever it is, you trade up to get him. Then great, that's one less player uh, that 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 we don't want that that you know is out of the way for somebody that we do want to follow us instead. And, and one of the keys here, his agent is Drew Rosenhaus, right? Yeah, and Drew is the <laughs> right. master yes. manipulator. I wrote yes. just yesterday about the or last night about you know the Willis McGahey thing. You know where people I don't know if they remember that. 20 years ago, Willis McGahee tore his knee up horribly in a bowl game. And the question was, he was a top 10 pick. And all of a sudden, he was not going to, the question was, would he be first rounder? Because he just suffered a horrible knee injury. And so when Buffalo was on the clock in the 20s, um, Drew got on the phone and called Willis. They're sitting side by side, each of them on the phone. You assume Drew was talking to an NFL team and Willis is talking to an NFL team. <laughs> so the Bills see this. Their general manager, Tom Donahoe, sees this and goes, oh, crap, somebody's talking to Willis. Let's not trade back for him. Let's take him now. So they drafted him at that point because they saw him talking on the phone, not knowing he was talking to the guy that was six inches from him. <laughs> and so Drew manipulated the Bills into taking him there instead of trading back for him where they would have been more comfortable. And so he's done stuff like this. So, you know, he's feeding rumors. Oh, Seattle's definitely going to take him at five. He wants Jalen Carter to go at five. He wants the Eagles to feel pressured to move up to get him. He wants the, the Eagles think if, if you want to go to Chicago, go to Detroit, you know, go, go to Atlanta, get up to those picks and, and get him. Don't let him slide to 10. So Drew's trying to manipulate the market as much as he can. To, and that's what he should do. He's an agent, right? He's trying to get his guy to go as early as possible, yeah. but just all the all the the Jalen Carter talk. I feel like Drew is going to be behind a lot of that, and so you have to be very careful. We start going, oh, he definitely is going to go five. Well, who's saying he's going to go five? Right? Daniel Jeremiah said everything he's hearing is that there's no way Seattle would take him at five. Mm-hmm. I tend to trust that, you know. So, yeah, um, I, I, he just doesn't feel like a some of these these teams, you know. They, they need these picks to pan out. You got guys that have jobs on the line. Are you going to put your, your job on the line with Jalen Carter? Howie obviously has enough um, goodwill built up with Jeff Lurie that he could maybe just skip the pick entirely and say, we're just going to take anybody. And Jeff would go, you know what? Howie's a visionary, right? 
he saved us cap room. So you know, if you're picking top ten, you're you're a bad team to begin with, and you you might be already be fearing your job. Absolutely, right? absolutely. So I just listen. It may ha- maybe he goes to five. Maybe I'm crazy, but I just think that all these people saying, "Oh, he's a sure thing." There's just a lot of questions about this kid. The talent's through the roof. There's just a lot of questions, and before you start betting your job on it, <clears throat> you better be really sure. And one of the things with the Eagles we know is Big Dom. I mean, he's going to know stuff about Jalen Carter that Jalen doesn't know, right? And so <laughs> if the if he gives him a thumbs up, now the other side is, hey, listen, if he starts digging and says, don't touch this guy, <laughs> then maybe we do go Peter Skaronsky or whoever. I don't know. Uh, so we'll see. But, yeah, that, that's the guy that I'd like for them to come out of the, uh, out of the draft with. Quick Dom anecdote. Uh, I, I don't know if I've told this on the podcast before, but so my apologies if you've heard this already, but to our listeners, but there was uh, one time somebody put out like uh, a chart of all the Eagles, of all, not the Eagles rest, but all the arrests in the NFL, like by team. So it was like, you know, this team led the NFL and arrests in such and such a year with 10. <laughs> like, and there was a whole list and the Eagles had six. Um, so I detailed the six, I found the, the, six eagles that had been arrested and i just wrote off of, you know i aggregated this article about all the arrests in the nfl and i said who here are the six eagles players and what they're arrested for so i'm in the eagles media room and uh at the time that lead pr guy was Derek boyko and he goes hey jimmy uh can you come here for a minute i go okay so <laughs> i go into Derek's office and there's big dom sitting in there waiting for me and i'm <laughs> I'm like, oh no, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> what what is happening here? And I and he sits me down with Dom, and Dom goes through each of the arrests with me, and he, he and he detailed what happened with each each of the six players that got arrested, and he's like, this one was BS, this one was BS, this one was BS for this reason, this reason, this reason, this one was legit. That guy's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but he went through and he detailed each of the, he knew everything, he knew every little detail about, obviously that's, that's, you know, if, if a guy gets arrested, of course, he's going to know every little detail about what happened with, with each incident. But he sat me down and he went through uh, specifically what happened on, on each of those incidents. And it was very, very impressive, but also very scary at the same time <laughs> to be sitting one-on-one with, with, uh, with big Dom in Derek Boyko's office. I bet that was an interesting moment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the point being here is, uh, yeah, Tommy's very, very astute to note that you know the Eagles have a guy that they feel is like the best, and like we we all we all think of like Jeff Stoutland as like the best <laughs> offensive line coach in the NFL. Well, this Dom DeSandro is is thought of by the Eagles as like the best at what he does in terms of um, you know digging up information on guys and and assessing their character. Uh, whether they can fit into the locker room culture or not, and there's huge value in that because you, it's we can all read. Oh, hey, he got arrested for this. He got arrested for that. We all know that there's, there's all con- context needed for things, and yep. and you're trying to figure out. Okay, is is that an immature knucklehead, or is this a guy that that comes from a, a background where he's just going to struggle to function as a professional? Right. This is not college football where the local cops can sweep a couple of. Uh, knucklehead things under the rug. This is professional football. You're being paid millions of dollars. There's a lot of responsibility here, and you've got to know that that person, you know, there's 17 games for the preseason and playoffs. You might be doing stuff for 20, 25 weeks during the year. College football, you got 12 games, you know. Uh, it, it's just a very different world, and you've got to be a professional. And one of the ways to judge that is how does, does someone stay out of trouble if they have been into trouble, uh, have been in trouble, 
how serious was it? And, you know, is it, is it a serious character issue where they've got major flaws or we're all kids and you, you never want to hold somebody some fantasy standard, right? But you just want to say, okay, is he going to grow out of this or is he going to be a Kemsky? And nobody wants a Kemsky. <laughs> nobody. So that's true. Yeah. You don't want some guy who's going to come into your locker room and go start picturing hands and measuring hands, right? <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want that guy on your team. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Tommy. As always, pleasure to see your bright, sunshiny face. Absolutely. My computer screen here. Love to hear from you. It was great talking to you guys. Uh, always fun to talk Eagles. Always fun to tell stories. And uh, and to know that somebody else understands the uh, the, the fear of Peter Skoronsky or Lucas Van Ness getting picked. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you guys have bodyguards as well. <laughs> and then if you're looking to check out Tommy's work, uh, Lawler NFL on Twitter. Right, Tommy? And then uh, EaglesBlitz.com. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining the show. All right, guys, have me back, and uh, we'll chat about some other stuff. Bring it home, BLG. Me? Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> BGN. <laughs>